What's up, guys? It's Nate here with Muhammad. How you guys doing? And we have a special, special guest. Can you uh, introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Bob Finelli, a really good friend of Nate's, as well as an exercise physiologist, rehab therapist, and a lot of other things. <laughs> and a big-time mentor. Thanks very much for inviting me to be here. I'm very happy and honored to be here. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, guys, this is my first guest, and the reason why it's my first guest is because this guy is a huge mentor to me. And helped me in so many ways I can't even describe. And I always tell him, we have these conversations on our lunch break or when I'm trying to go home after a long day, and we have these conversations that are meant to be on a podcast. And he helps so many people here in the gym. I help so many different people in the gym. And when I come together with him, I go through, I went through a big time learning process in my career that he has been through and he still does to this day. And he has taught me so much. So I kind of want to bring this on the podcast and give you guys this experience. Now, Muhammad has been coming up here and had great conversations with Bob as well. Absolutely. And I was, uh, before this podcast got started, uh, I told Bob that he was actually a bank of knowledge. Um, if anybody <laughs> knows anything about me, they know I'm a big baseball fan. And uh, I remember when I first came up here to see Nate, I happened to bring up the Yankees and their problems with their injuries and so on and so forth. If you follow them, and Bob just, he broke it down from, Point A to point Z, and it was so articulate the way he broke it down to me, and it was so spot on that two, three months later, the Yankees actually took action to alleviate the problems that they had that Bob mentioned that they had mm -hmm. before they did anything about it. That's just a little glimpse of uh, the knowledge that Bob has. Obviously, you've known him for so much longer than I have, but yeah, this, this podcast should be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And one thing before I introduce Bob into like letting the world know who he, you know, what he, who he is and what he does, I want to bring up this real quick story. All right, When I got this job in Westchester, it was a responsibility to be a head trainer and run a gym. I did not know anybody in Westchester. It was a great opportunity, but it was very scary for me as a young man. This was two years ago, about to be three. And I came to this gym, and I'm doing an interview with Lori, right. and, which is my manager of the gym. And after I'm doing an interview with Lori, I'm telling Lori all my big dreams. And it sounds crazy, all the things that I said I wanted to do to a gym that was pretty, you know, stuck in 2012 in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm telling her all my visions and stuff, and she was like, okay, that's nice. And as Lori left, there was a guy, there's an office in the back of the gym, a beautiful office. Right. And some guy comes out this office. And he goes, hello, my name is Bob. And him and I start to speak. And I talked to him probably for like two to three hours. Right. And he told me he believed in every vision that I had. And he did not know me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get too deep into the situation, but, you know, he didn't have to say that, especially um, for the situation that I was going to be put in. Because the guy that owns the gym that was going to put me in charge was asking him for his opinion after I left. Mm -hmm. And the way he... The conversation we had, Bob, was nope. just so amazing that before I left here, I wanted to come here because of Bob. Right. So Thank you. Bob is a huge reason why I am where I am today, who I am today, because he's my mentor. He's my number one mentor. I go to Bob more than I go to my own dad. So that's the reason why I want to bring Bob on here. Now, before we get into this, Bob's going to tell you what he does, but you have to understand, you have to stay with this podcast. Bob's work is so connected, mind, body, and spirit. And for those that really want to grow, you're going to learn a lot out of that. He's going to introduce himself right now. Bob, can you just please tell us like what you do? 
So uh, <clears throat> I do a lot of things, but the main thing I do in this office is I help people recover from injuries, pains, but I'll put in an extra word. I actually help them recover from the idea of limitation, mm. that they can't run around anymore without pain, that every time they throw a ball, it's going to hurt, that they're old and therefore they can't do X, Y, or Z. And really, I reconnect them with being able to sign a get rid of those stories introduce some new stories mm. uh, and I happen to use movement as a way to do that with them but movement not just of their body but also of their heart and uh -huh. their mind and their spirit mm. because all healing is mind body and spirit I've been doing this long enough if you think it's just a physical issue uh, no I have a lot of evidence that would say otherwise mm. and the question just is for that person is really of those three things mind body and spirit who's in the lead at the moment mm. they're all involved they're all involved but the question is, who's really in the lead? So, yes, your knee could be the thing that's barking at you, but uh, what is the story, if there is one, that you have with your knee? And what can we do to maybe get you to write a new one? Because it's really hard to move forward in the book if you keep reading the same chapter over and over and right. over again. Oh, that's a good analogy right there. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good point, man. That's a really good point. When One of the first things that um, you blew my mind away with was when I used to come in here, I had certain clients that had certain injuries or certain problems, and I did everything that I can to restore the motion. You taught me something, and it really resonated with me, and I experienced it, was if someone had a belief that their back hurts, no matter what you do with them, they'll never heal. Why is that? So uh, I don't know about never. Um, but I think, again, what you're hooking into is that there is a story that goes along with everything. So I'll, I'll give you one in reference to that if it's helpful. I had a man come in one time and he said that his back hurt him. And I said, OK, I'll try and definitely do what I can. And I assess him and I said, oh, by the way, uh, this person's name was Dom. I said, Dom, is there anything else that's bothering you? And he reached down, he grabbed his left knee and he said, yes, that's my left knee hurts. But that's my football knee. You can't do anything about that. Hmm. Now, what do I think he might have really said? Listen, uh, when I was younger, I played football. <laughs> and I got hurt in this knee, and football players get hurt. Football players are tough. I'm tough. Right. This is my injury. This is my badge. Don't do anything about that because mm -hmm. that's significant to me. So he had a story that went along with that knee. Uh, and interestingly, as we started to treat, his back pain went away, but as he was losing the story of his back, his knee all of a sudden started to magically get worse. Right. He would say, oh, my knee's worse and worse and worse. And I go, okay, well, we're not going to do anything for your knee then. We're not doing anything for your knee. Uh, so he wasn't ready to let go of that story. And you know what? That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. If that's where he is, that's where he is. Um, and I think you have to walk gently in the lives of others because you never really know right. what their story is. So if it was significant to this person to hold on to their knee pain, then it was significant for them to hold on to their knee pain. All I try and do is present a different possibility. Mm -hmm. Well, here's a possibility of what if you were the guy maybe who played football and didn't get hurt? Mm. That actually sounds like maybe someone who might be a little stronger or tougher than the guy who did. Um, but whatever your story is, I honor it. 
and I'm just here, like I said, to present you a different possibility. You'll decide if you want it or not. Right. And off that, I have two questions, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, obviously, you said you've been doing this for a long time. Very so long. <laughs> one of my questions would be, how often do you come across people who are, who are like that, who don't want to, uh, don't want to necessarily uh, let go of their story or want to hold on to it? And two, uh, do you uh, feel of, uh, a sense of responsibility to kind of uh, not really, like you said, you want to respect their stories? but uh, kind of steer them in the right direction of just obviously being who you are, wanting to see them live their uh, best physical, mental, and mindful life? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, So do I come across people with stories? I believe that everyone who walks into my office is carrying their story as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really do. Now, uh, is it important for them to dive into that story? Maybe not. Uh, And I think those that want to will... And those that don't, won't, I can help you either way. Uh, It's just I happen and we can take a further journey into your story if you so choose that is available to you. You don't have to. It's okay if you don't want because ultimately you want to get better. And here's the other thing. You're going to determine what that is for you. I'll restore your emotion. I'll get your pain to go away. But better is really your definition of better. Right. So what does better mean? Better means I can run around and pick up my grandkids and not have back pain. Great. Better is all of a sudden I can compete in CrossFit again. Great. You're going to determine what better is. I'm just going to try and help you to get there. Um, and your second question was? Uh, my second question was, do you said you like to respect the stories yes, of people absolutely. and so on and so forth. But do you kind of feel a responsibility to nudge them towards uh Less letting go if you see that story uh, affecting their, their health. So when you say responsibility, uh, I used to have an issue with taking it home at the end of the day. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, <clears throat> in fact, this is not my first career. I used to be a psychotherapist for years first, and I left that field because I couldn't leave that work at the office. I would come home and continue to ruminate about it. Right. And uh, that was my own story mm-hmm. <laughs> that I had to work on. Uh, and I brought it into this field originally. So I originally used to feel similar to what you just mentioned in mm-hmm. that um, I felt obligated, like I had to have to make sure that they saw a certain thing or felt I don't anymore. Okay. Uh, I really do feel again that, uh, you know, people have free will. <laughs> they're allowed to choose and do what they want. Right. Also, they're on a life's journey, and who am I to get in the way? I don't think I have the right to do that. Okay. Uh, so what I can do is, like I said, I can offer a different possibility. Hey, here's a different idea. Here's a different way to look at something. Here's a different way to go treat that. I know you've treated it this way and that way and that way. How about if we treat it that way? And then again, they'll decide. So what I feel is I can help almost anyone that I see. I wouldn't take them on as a client otherwise. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the best match for them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a very good There point. might be someone or a different technique. Yeah. And I often find sometimes I'm a gateway to get them to the next person. Okay. So they might come in and spend time with me. And if nothing else, they, they hear what I have to say and I do my work. And it just further crystallizes for them that, nope, nope, I, I don't really want to get better this way. But I will go try acupuncture okay. or I will go to the physical therapist or wherever they decide they want to go. And you know what? You just metaphorically, you throw your arms around them, you wish them well, and you send them on their way. Because mm. if your goal is really to get people better, then that's your goal. Right. 
right? If you're the primary person in that, great. If you're not, that's okay. You still did your work. Mm -hmm. You still get them better. That's awesome. So um, you brought up something that I want to kind of like go on a little story with. Sure, sure. Is that when I first started working, to this day, um, you can expose my stories on here too, by the way. Uh, We can keep this open. All right, I'll expose one or two if you want. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, So there was a time where I went home with taking home the pain. Remember those days? And I, I came in here and if a client didn't succeed with weight loss or didn't succeed with um just mental mental health aspects or you know injury problems or their program with strength training i used to come in here and i'm like bob you gotta understand man you know and i used to carry it with me so bad man that i'll go home and i can't enjoy spending time with my girlfriend or my family because i'm just thinking about how i failed them or i understand that not bringing it home and you um you 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 got me through that Thank you. You got me through that. And I, re- I remember you telling me that um, I need to learn how to let that go here, you know? And can you bring me through the process of understanding that, though? Like, we brought it up a little bit and you, you know, the job that you had before this, but what, where did you grab that, that perspective from? Yeah. Okay. So, um, about eight or ten years ago, uh, I came upon a place called the Gray Institute. So uh, I'll talk about them a little bit, whose whole credo was that all healing is mind, body, and spirit. Mm. And I think intuitively on a certain level, people kind of understand that. They may not exactly know what it means, but if you say to them, well, you know, when you get hurt, it gets you upset. And then when you're upset, you do it. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, of course it's going to get me upset. So they get the emotional and the mental connection but they don't always know really what that means or how to go about changing that. Uh, So I went to the Gray Institute and they started to talk about mind, body, and spirit and how it's all connected and it just clicked with me. Uh, It just took, they took all of those things that intuitively we knew and they put it into words. And then they taught me how to take that and make that real for people, which is the key, right? So it doesn't really matter what I know. It's being able to get it out there and have it resonate with the soul who's across from me. If it doesn't resonate with the soul who's across from me, I'm not really sure how I'm helping them. Mm-hmm. So uh, even for someone like Nate, if he was going through that struggle, uh, that comes from a deep desire and love to want to help others. And I think that's the most important thing on why you're in this field in the first place. I don't think any of us get in here uh, I don't know what the motivation is, but I can tell you pretty much anyone who I've seen that's successful in this field, they're here to love and help and serve others. That's why they're here. Right. Um, and then I think it's also knowing that what is your job as far as that is concerned, if you want to use that word. Well, your job, I believe, is to know as much as you can know, mm. to offer them the possibilities to engage in that process with themselves. Your job is not to change them. It's not to change them. They change. Do you feel like that's kind of a fine line between uh, not changing them and, or, and having them change on their own? So I, I think it's just like anything else in that you, you can present. I think your role or my role or someone else's role is to act, like I said, and I use this word possibility, to present to them a new possibility. Right. Mm-hmm. I understand what you've been taught. But here's something else we've learned or we know or we're exploring right now. Do you want to look in that direction? And if you do, I'm very educated in that direction. I can take you deeper. If you don't want to look in that direction, that's awesome. 
it's it, you know that's your choice because also if someone's not invested in it they're not going to be that successful mm. there's a phrase and i really believe it all <coughs> change all change comes from within it's not from without that's true right so if you're not ready to change it doesn't matter what everybody else says yeah. you have to be willing to do it so when you so when i come across clients that have to change right um, I see a lot of roadblocks with them. And mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that I've connected with is that if a client of mine doesn't have a dream big enough to change for, then they're not willing to change. And sometimes we have to really bring them back connected to their dream um, because sometimes the dream can be lost through a belief system, uh, somebody uh, doubting them from their household or basically kind of failing on the way to trying to achieve that dream. Do you have any type of conversation with your clients about a dream or some type of how to change, teaching them how to change? Yeah, so I love that. Uh, I think dream is a great word. Uh, so yes, I think when people come in and they they sit with me and I, I assess them and we talk and we start to treat, basically here's what they're saying to me is what they're saying to you. Hi, I want to change. Uh, I'm going to call it a knee pain, but I got something going on in my life that I don't really like right now. And I want to change that. Can you maybe help me? And I say, well, sure. And so for you, yes, we can use dream. I like that. The idea is, what is your dream? And your dream can be anything from, I really can't wait to get back on the basketball court to, you know what? I'd really like to throw the football in the backyard with my son and not have my shoulder hurt. Mm. That would be great. Yeah. So yes, I think that also goes to, you have to find a resonance when you talk about dream what resonates with them that will allow them to touch that place within yep. that is going to galvanize change? That can be their dream. That can be anything you want. I love the word dream. Uh, so, yeah, if there isn't a personal connection, which there I think go. is what you're saying, yeah. right? Bob, I have to find a personal connection for them. It can be very difficult sometimes for people to either connect with that or want to move forward uh, because they don't have a reference point either. Yeah. They don't. So even when we work with people, and maybe you do too, I'll use sports analogies. I'll, use, I'll, I'll try and say, well, what do you do in your life? What do you like to do? What have you done in the past? And I'll connect it to something mm -hmm. that they have done, and now I have a talking point. Now I have a common conversation. Now we have a common language mm. that we can communicate in. Yeah. Uh, and it's finding that. And then through that, like you say, connecting them to their dream and really is – what do you want? Yeah. I want to feel better. Okay, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Right. That's the key. What does that look like for you? And yeah. then really that's what you're saying. Well, what's your dream? Yeah. And um, one thing that I want to bring up is you mentioned if you get into this field, you're here to help and serve others. What? How would you explain this field to others? Because here's, here's people that are going to listen to this podcast – Probably just think that you're a rehab guy and I'm, I'm just like some coach, right? But can you get into depth on like what we do here? Right. So <clears throat> outside of like coaching and therapy, I mean sure. a rehab. Like sure, sure. explain the process. Like 90% of our job is not those things. Not no. 90. Let's go like 60, 70%. I would say that anyone who gets into this field, let's define this field. Anyone who is in a field where they want to help others. 
and there's lots of fields that do that, right? So um, an accountant may want to help others. He's just doing it through their taxes. Um, a lawyer may want to help. I don't know. You, you figure it out. Uh, so in our particular field, we want to help them really change. Uh, and it tends to definitely most of the time represent their physical being as the avenue or the vessel for that, mm. right? So a psychologist, it might be their mental being, for lack of a better word, right? Uh, so the question is, why do you get in this field and what do you do? I believe that everyone who gets in this field wants to help people change and achieve a different representation of themselves. We'll call it a better one, but... I don't want to say that the one they're in now is not good. Mm -hmm. They just want a different representation of who they are. And that's why we do this. I mean, I do this so that when someone comes in and says, hey, listen, I feel a little limited right now. I feel in pain. Uh, I don't feel like I'm the best that I can be. Can you help me? And I have a skill set and trainers have a skill set. Uh, and physical therapists and doctors have a skill set that say, yeah, you know what? I think I can help you. Because I know you want something different in your life, something better, a different version of you. Uh, and if that's your primary motivation, then I feel you will be successful. Mm. Everything else just feeds off of that. Mm. And you know what? That keeps it stimulating. Mm. That keeps it interesting because it becomes about, I think like you said, Nate, it becomes about the people. It doesn't become about, uh, I don't really, I'm not interested in the latest exercise technique or the coolest, hippest piece of equipment out mm. there. Right. The coolest, tippest piece of equipment I have is the human being who's standing in front of me. Right. That's what I want to touch. Powerful. Does that answer that? Yeah, 100%. And, and one thing that we notice, Bob, by, by being in this, right? Like, yeah. Um, you're, not, you're not a physical therapist. Nope. So how would you describe your job description? Uh, so I'm an exercise physiologist by degree, from school, which is pretty much a science, mm -hmm. scientist of exercise and physiology. Physiology is the physical being and the study of the physical being. However, uh, from like I said, I have branched that beyond to the mental and emotional as well. Mm -hmm. But I use movement uh, to help people heal. And most importantly is the way that I do it is I understand that the body is a chain reaction. So traditionally, when we're taught exercise, when I first learned personal training, which is what I used to do before I went back to school, uh, I was taught parts. The body's a bunch of parts. If the elbow hurts, it must be the elbow. Mm. If the shoulder hurts, we go after the shoulder. It could be. Uh, but the problem is that mechanistic view is not actually what a human being is. When a human being gets up and moves, all of the parts of the body are being asked to move all of the time. Uh, and which was a huge breakthrough for me. And again, I think something that people intuitively know when you go to throw a baseball, it might be curious. You, you actually step, you actually twist, you do a lot. Everybody shows up. Uh, so the body always works like that. It never doesn't. And I think our mistake sometimes is to treat it like an individual part or like a machine. For any system to work correctly, you have to treat it authentically. If you don't treat it authentically, you might get lucky. Um, but you're probably more often than not just going to treat a compensation and not actually find the pathology. What is actually causing that system to break down? And in the body, it's organic. So yeah. it's constantly, constantly changing. It has lots of variables. It has lots of ways that it can compensate. It has lots of ways that it can trade. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, <laughs> a right. lot. And I was actually curious, where do you think that disconnect comes from? Uh, that disconnect from 
like I would say like the mainstream media of where sure uh, we take one, th- say the arm is hurting you. Well, the m- problem must be the arm. Compared to what you would think would be the more most natural way to think of it holistically, sure. well, your body just hurts, and the arm is just the symptom of the actual root cause. So I think I can tell you exactly where that comes from. So it comes from the way we're taught anatomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of our studies on anatomy are done on cadavers or people lying on tables or chairs. So if I'm lying on my back, for example, uh, I don't have to decelerate any mass or momentum. I'm not moving through space. There isn't any kind of three-dimensional motion happening. I'm basically just lying still. So in that case, when I go to move, an individual part may move. If I lie on my back and just lift my foot up, I'm going to see my hamstring length, and that's a classic stretch that we do, right? But the problem is we're not driving the pelvis at the same time. We're not moving the foot at the same time. We're not moving the hand or the trunk at the same time. But the second we stand up, all of that happens. And so the strategies and techniques that we use to help people are going to be based on our principles or our baseline understanding. So if our baseline teachings are on a table, on a chair, where we don't have to deal with mass and momentum, where we don't have to move as a chain reaction, where we don't have to move in three dimensions, then we're going to treat people as if they were parts. Mm -hmm. And that's where the whole idea of turning on muscles comes from. So Mm -hmm. it's very interesting to me. So for a muscle to turn on, if we want to use that word, you have to create a motion to lengthen or shorten it. It doesn't have a brain. That would be awesome. I always say, I wish muscles had brains. Because then if they started hurting, I could go talk to them and tell them to quit it. Mm -hmm. They don't work like that. However, if I'm just lying on the ground and I want a muscle to do anything, I have to consciously think for it to do something. Right. That's, again, not what happens when we're upright. You don't constantly tell 600 muscles on 70 joints what to do. First of all, name them. (laughs) You can't. So the mistake and the issue that happens, I think, Muhammad, is we take the knowledge from the ground, Mm -hmm. and we take that and we throw it on an upright being moving through space, dealing with gravity in the ground, having to decelerate its own mass and momentum in three dimensions, and guess what? It's totally 180 degrees opposite. Right, That's not the same thing. So we're not studying the system authentically. We're trying to treat it authentically. Right. But if you don't study it authentically, how are you going to treat it authentically? Mm. You, you can't. So that's where that comes from. That's why when people lie on the side, we just do isolated shoulder exercises and we do all these things. We forget that when the shoulder moves upright, the hip's going to help and the trunk's going to move. And So our heart is in the right place. Right. But I think we make the mistake of thinking that what happens on the ground is what happens upright in actual motion, and it is not. And do you ever, uh, obviously, you can't tell the future, but do you ever kind of seeing that shift happening uh, where we will eventually see, see it holistically as one? Because obviously, here in this gym, in this facility, you guys do uh, see the body as one, and Intercon- and everything obviously is clearly interconnected, not even going to the, the mental, to the physical aspect, just the physical, where mm-hmm. the arm is connected to the leg, so on and so forth. Do you ever see that shift happening? If so, anytime soon? You know, I, I think so. I mean, listen, the truth inevitably is hard to hide. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so the truth is that the body is all connected, and it's starting to start to filter its way out. Um, but it's a slow process, right. and also I think for that to happen, 
there's going to have to almost be a grassroots change in the schools and how we teach it. Mm -hmm. So what propagates what we have going on now is the fact that in the school, that's what we're taught. Right. So if you don't change what I'm actually taught from ground one, I'm not really sure how you're going to change the whole meta. Right. You can. Uh, but It'd be it's very gonna, hard to though. Well, it takes a few voices like myself, like Nate, right. yeah, <laughs> to yeah, go out yeah. there and say, "Listen, I appreciate everything what you taught." And here's the thing: you don't go into conflict over it. You just say, "Okay, so that's really cool. You've been training that certain way. That's great. You've been you've been doing all this stuff. You've been training in one plane and locking muscles down, turning them on. That's awesome. That's been successful. We're gonna do something else now. We're gonna do something new. We're going to do something that's closer to actually how your body actually works. And, and here's the cool thing, and, and, and Nate has experienced this himself. When you start to train the body authentically, people become better at everything that right. they do. Everything that they do. Big time. You don't even have to specifically be training them for baseball per se. I mean, you can tweak it towards baseball. Mm -hmm. But if you restore their body's ability to move in three planes of motion, there isn't a sport on the planet you play that doesn't ask you to move in three planes of motion. Mm -hmm. There isn't yeah. one. Yeah. And they just become better. And here's the thing. They get hurt less. Yeah. And if they get hurt, they come out quicker. They, mm -hmm. re they recover quicker. I mean, again, it's just the body says, listen, this is how I work and this is what I do. Yeah. Treat me as my truth and I'll show you my truth. Right. Yeah. If yeah. you don't treat me with my truth, I'll do the best I can. And we call that compensation. We know it. Yeah. That's what a compensation is. And it's funny because the same conversations our body has with us are the conversations that we have with other people. Of course. You know? and Very like beautiful it, it, it's, it's It's funny to think like, if you would think of your boss or so on and so forth saying, well, this is who I am, you either take it or you're compensating, then this analogy wouldn't be so crazy. You know what I mean? Like looking at your body telling you that wouldn't be, oh, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. It actually makes perfect sense as to connecting the two dots. Yeah. I, I find that with the body. So Nate asked earlier, when I go to help someone, um, I basically look for, so the body is a force dispersal mechanism. So what do I mean? So once you get up and you start crashing into the ground or you're running and, or you're jumping, you're leaping, whatever you're doing, whether you're even just walking, you're going to crash into the ground and, and gravity and mass momentum are going to come up into the body. Mm -hmm. It's going to come up. And in my case, I weigh 190 pounds. I'm going to have to deal with all of that force. And here's what the body says. I'd like to pass that out to as many different parts of your body as possible. I don't want it localized. I don't want it stuck. Right. Uh, and the way the body does that is through motion. It doesn't do it through stillness. Mm -hmm. And very often, for example, if an elbow or a shoulder or something breaks down, it's because some motion has stopped somewhere. And the elbow or the shoulder is pretty much raising its hand going, I just want to let you know, at that moment, I did too much. Right. There's only so much I'm supposed to do. And your hip didn't help, so now I'm doing extra. So we have two thoughts there. We can get the hip to come back and help, or we can just blame the shoulder and go after that. Mm -hmm. So the analogy I always use, and I use with Nate all the time, is you and I want to play football, American football. Right. I show up with 11 players, and you show up with three. I don't care if your three players have muscles from here to the next county. I have 11 players. That's gravity in the ground. You moving around in a world of that. That's your own massive momentum. I got to decelerate my 190 pounds. That's a three-dimensional world. Every day you want to move around. I don't care what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Pick up a laundry basket, throw a ball. The world says, great, Muhammad, you want to run around with me? I have 11 guys. How many do you have? Right. You say, I have three. And I say, well, I'm sorry. I'm not sitting anyone. 
I'm sorry you only have three. And traditionally in medicine and exercise, we want to blame the three. Right. Oh, low back, you're bothered? You must be weak. Get back in there and get stronger. And out come the three, and they can bench press 800 pounds. How many guys do I still have? 11. How mm -hmm. many do you still have? Three. You're going to lose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey. Yeah. If you don't get it after that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Big time. And, and that's one thing. When I graduated college, I graduated a strength and conditioning uh, degree. I got the NASM certification. And I came in here um, knowing, thinking that I knew everything when it came down to movement. And then as I started to be mentored by Bob, I was mentored mind, body, and spirit. And one of the ways we really connected was through the mind and spirit. But first, um, he was teaching me a lot of things about the body. And my belief system was kind of attached to what I've learned when I was in college. But he really opened my mind when it came down to the body moving in three planes of motion. How the core actually works when it, the abdominals actually work as you open the abdominals, not when you crunch them. Um, so he had definitely changed a lot of things in, um, in my mindset and helped me develop my whole program. My programs are different now because of you. Um, and the way um, that is one thing that, that helped you helped me greatly with. But I kind of want to get into some mind things with you. So sure. we did talk about the mind, body, and soul. And I, we covered some good things about the body itself. I want to get in with the mind with you because this is where I think you're one of the most intelligent people I've ever came across. Wow, thank and, you. And, and especially with the body. No doubt about it. I mean, no doubt about it. But I think the world needs to get to know you and, and hear a conversation about the mind and soul. And one of the questions I have here is when it comes down to the mind, how powerful is the mind? I mean, I use my mind my entire life to escape the pain that I went through as far as like getting out of it by using my imagination and by um, manipulating my mindset as far as but my belief systems and things of that nature. Um, how, 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 powerful the, how powerful the mind is to you and your experience in your life? So uh, I think the mind is really a core piece of anything that you are talking about in your life. Because when you talk about mind, you really hit on it. Your mind is your belief system. Your mind is the stories that you're telling yourself or have been told and the realities that you create from those stories. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of data that's very interesting you bring this up because I just read it. They say, and I don't know how they record these things, that you have 60,000 thoughts a day. Yeah. Only 1,000 of them are new. Wow. Mm. Wow. Which means 98% of your thoughts are reruns of the old stories the day before. Wow. And I heard something very similar to that. I heard okay. Deepak Chopra. Yeah. His studies show that you have 68,000 thoughts a day. Yeah. And 90% of it is negative. Yeah. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, I just want to throw that in there. So, since you brought up wow. I just want to throw in another element yeah. to that as well. Uh, we sometimes put too much weight on the negative and that's why we think about the negative more so than we do about the positive for sure so perhaps I can, and uh, from a neuroanatomy standpoint uh in your brain neurons you've maybe heard this phrase neurons that fire together wire together mm -hmm. oh. so the more you fire a thought back and forth the more that pathway leads down and the more you tend to go there which again reflects the fact that that's why most of our stories are yesterday's stories ah. so Here's, I guess, my question or my challenge to someone, uh, whoever it is, including myself. If only a thousand of them are new, let's just use that number for the sake of conversation, of the 60,000, 
what am I doing to push that number to 1,500? Wow. What am I doing to push that number to 2,000? And here's what I have to know. It has to be outside where I currently believe. And that can Ooh. be scary for some people. Big time. Uh, because very often our thoughts of who we are define who we are. Right. And as soon as you challenge my belief system, you're challenging my sense of self. And that's a pretty tough place to go if you're connected too heavy and too hard to that. Right. Um, and I, I think you hit on it with the negative. The issue that we all run into sometimes is uh, we start to blame ourselves or say, well, that was dumb or I was stupid to feel that. And we start the blame game. And then we instead of being willing to change, we look at change as I did something wrong. Oh. Well, no, you didn't. Here's what happened. Someone offered you something and you decided at that moment whether you wanted to believe it or not. But understand, they just offered you something. And then you said, well, I'm going to believe that. Well, here's what. So let's believe something different. Because it would be awesome if we all knew the truth, but we don't. We know our beliefs, which we encode as our truths. Don't we? Yeah. So here's one we give to young girls. They're about two years old, and here's what we tell them. Hey, you know what, little Julie? Uh, if you're not pretty, you're not valuable. Wow. How big a load of you-know-what is that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if that poor child believes that, then they will spend the rest of their life running Wiring around it. trying to make that true. Right. Is that true? So their ability to love, show compassion, be kind is dependent on how they look? Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's good that you brought that up. That's a good point. Um, recently, I've been working on my beliefs big time. And to tell you the truth, Bob, there was one time you said to me when I came up with something, you said, who said that? And I said, well, that's what I heard. You said, exactly. Who, who put that belief in you, right? And I left that day thinking about that for the rest of the time. I actually went out to L.A. that weekend. I was on a plane, and I was like, who put most of the beliefs in my head? Right. And here's what it comes down to. Got to be honest with you, man. Most of the fear that I carry in 2020 is fear that I had when I was four or five years old. Telling yeah. the same stories. It's the same story, <laughs> and I had to really dig deep on that. And that kind of helped me in my practice when I work with clients. There's one client that I always train, and no matter what, she brings her age up for every single mm. thing. I'm talking about like, I'm talking about like she's doing a competition for cycling, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm not this girl that I'm riding with tomorrow. She's very young." I'm like, "Why do you keep bringing up age?" And come to find out, we really dug deep, and she is scared to get old, and I want to know why. And it came from her childhood of hearing the people that she was raised with talking about how. Being old is not a good thing in a way, right? It's de near death and things like that. So it's a fear of hers of a belief system that she had when she was a kid. So the mind is very powerful because it also holds like the subconscious, right? In a way, which is the body as well. But we're, we can hold some trauma there, right? Like there can be some trauma being held that can be holding us back in 10, 20, 30 years later. Yeah, you know, and listen, we all have our stories, and <clears throat> they're real uh, for us and what they happen. But uh, I think when we go back into those stories, if we choose to, uh, we have to treat ourselves with uh, gentleness, mercy, and grace. Yeah. You know, we need to hold ourselves to a standard of grace, not perfection. Hmm. Say, so, <laughs> listen, I, this, is, this was, and, and here's the thing, that was an experience that you had 
is it really you? Mm. Well, it is if you want it to be. So on a personal level, I had an experience with a depression when I was 13 years old. That's not me. Mm. I'm not the depressed guy. But if you were to go see a doctor, you are known, or not doctor, just people, yeah. you're labeled. That's a label that you have. And that's fine. You know what? They can label that, but that's not me. But how would you guide somebody through that then, right? Because it's hard. Like, like you, how'd you build that mindset for number one? Number two, how would you guide somebody through that and let them know, no, 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 you're not, that's not who you are. But they're like, you're telling me that's not who I am, but my teachers are telling me, my mom's telling me. The guy that prescribed me my drugs for depression is telling me. Right. So that's not an easy question to answer. Yeah. And it's not in <clears throat> necessarily a quick thing to overcome. It took me a while to get there. Um, but what helped me was a few things. Uh, number one, I understand that what we believe uh, is A, culturally based as well. Mm. Uh, made up so for example um, I know someone who lives in like an 8,000 square foot home and it's really important and they have matching molding and beautiful curtains and isn't this awesome and look at my place and that's all fine uh, because in our culture we place a ton of value on that but if that person went out to the outback in Australia and was hanging out with an Australian Aborigine, he wouldn't give two you-know-whats about their 8,000-square-foot right, yeah. home. He wouldn't care. But he would be shocked as they walked through the land that you didn't know how to get water out of that plant or which poisonous snake to avoid mm -hmm. so you could get home safely to your family. Mm -hmm. So these labels that we have for ourselves are, are made up. They're made up. Uh, as well as the beliefs. Now, uh, the degree, and I think you're really, what you're really talking about, Nate, is self-love and self-worth. If I don't really have a good sense of self-worth or self-love, I'm going to look to the labels to tell me who I am. Right. And I think yeah. really that's everyone's journey in life, isn't it? So I appreciate podcasts. I appreciate Instagrams. I appreciate all of these things that we're doing, but uh, what's your real journey? Hmm. Oh, and I actually have a question. <laughs> yes, please. To like, what would for both of you guys actually? What would uh, some of the steps be to kind of uh, obviously everybody, everybody's journey is unique to them, right? But what would some of the steps be to get to that starting point of finding out what your journey is? Like, yeah. what should they do different than what they're doing already? Than what they're being fed, say on social media, on TV, on look at this Barbie, this is how you're supposed to look, sure. so on and so forth, to kind of be the catalyst to get to just finding out their journey, <laughs> trying, to, trying to find out the starting point of finding out your starting point. Can I start on that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I don't know that I have an answer, <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> but I, yeah, yeah. I'll offer some thoughts. Um, number one is I think you have to look at yourself, not critically, mm -hmm. and say, well, uh, if I'm not on that journey now, then what I'm doing is not a match for it. I got to change something. Mm. And you haven't done anything wrong. See, that's the blame stuff, right? You just go, well, I want to start a different journey or, or I want, as you said, listen, how do I do that? Well, we can pretty much say the way you're doing it now is not doing it because mm -hmm. you're asking the question in the first place. So now you have to be willing to look somewhere else, don't you? And then we can talk about where that looking would be. And number two, I think Nate hit on something really big. Uh, it helps to have a mentor. So who or what is a mentor? 
the most beautiful definition I ever heard of that was from Nelson Mandela's grandson. He actually spoke at Providence College where my son goes and, and a young lady asked a similar question mm -hmm. like that. It was really interesting that you bring that up. And she said, how, how do you do that? How do you start to believe in yourself? And how do you, how do you go forward when the media is telling you no? And, and right. he said, you need to find a mentor. And that, and that was his that He said, you know who a mentor is or what a mentor? She says, no, what is it? He said, it's someone who believes in you. So you need to find someone who believes in you, mm -hmm. not the baseball player, mm -hmm. not mm. the personal trainer, who believes in you. And then together, you can start to walk out together into that new space of who you want to become. Right. It can be challenging to go on your own. Big time. And, and, and I'll answer what I do here and um, what I see help, because I had to do it to myself mm -hmm. plenty of times. Um, but before we do that real quick, the importance of a mentor is you hit on something huge. And I love that quote because that's exactly what you do for me. Thank you. Um, there was times I come in this room and I thought I was crazy because of the things that I believed or I saw work or I saw what I was doing. You, you see what I do out there. I usually, people come to me because of my speaking more than training. Because um, I believe in them and I happen to attract clients that go through similar pains that I went through. And when I'm vulnerable to them and honest with them and telling them my journey and I work through this pain on my own, then I'm able to help others. But then there's times where I get lost in the dust or I don't believe in myself or my confidence just went down or anything. And I need that second second voice. I always walk into this office at the perfect time and you mentor me through that. So that's why I really consider you be a, a huge mentor to me and I can vouch and, on, on that as well yeah Thank and uh, just on top of that too that's kind of one of the problems I have with uh, some of the mentors that I see uh, a lot of my peers have as well they always look for uh, say the track they're going to is a financial track so they're looking for a mentor who's high up in investment banking mm -hmm. well that's a problem because similar to what you said they're not looking to mentor you you the person they're looking to mentor mentor the aspect of you financially you know what i mean like yes. the 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 knowledge that you have in that facet because they see you could become one of the biggest investment bankers in wall street so uh lots of people think mentors are kind of like it's like a chess game oh this person could mentor me to get me to this point and then this and then i'll be fine on my own after that and it's it's funny to me because it's like the mentors i have in my life uh they literally have nothing to do with the career that I want to go go mm. into, right? Yeah. And it's I, at first uh, it happened uh, it was just authentically like that, but then I started realizing it's it's kind of like the saying you can't mix business with pleasure like that the business aspect I'm I I know I'm always gonna go back to well I want to be the best financial analyst I want to be I can be right, but then at the same time I want to have that person that second voice like you mentioned to assist me in, in just life in general, whether it has to be with how I'm doing in work or whether it has to be in my personal life. And too often too often than not, lots of people think mentors are just simply how to do your resume, how to do this, how to do that. And they're not, Muhammad, are you living your life the way you're supposed to? They're not right. kind of looking over you the way you would want somebody to look over you. And when we, met, when we bring uh, talk about mentors, Obviously, we know people have like their parents to be there for them, but mentors offer that kind of perspective that I believe nobody can offer, right? And I believe that they, 
it's because they're unique experiences. If, if you go to somebody in your family, uh, you grew up with them uh, more likely than not. You know how their thinking is because you're a part of them. Uh, but mentors, they kind of see things a little bit differently. They kind of have a different upbringing from you. And that's something I would say uh, with Nate, with me. They kind of they go about things a little bit differently, and you need that uniqueness to kind of navigate through your life. So that's, I just want to share that sentiment. Yeah. I love that. I think that's beautiful. And you, you, you hit on a couple of points that I think are really important to bring back around that will <clears throat> reference, excuse me, what Nate said as well. Um, so I think what, what you're talking about, so we're talking semantic, semantics here and that just different verbiage. But uh, what you were talking about, I think, as far as someone who's going to help you, that's a teacher. Mm-hmm. And teachers are really valuable in our lives, aren't they? But we'll use a different definition for mentor. Not that teachers aren't mentors, mm-hmm. but we'll use a different one. Um, and I think Nate hit on something really powerful, and it's what I really see him do when he's out here training people. Um, Nate really allows people to believe in themselves, and he hit on a huge word that lets people do it. So your initial start to this part of the conversation, Muhammad, was, well, well, how do you do it? Right. How do you change? How do you get people? And so one, like you said, to go outside of your family because many of the beliefs that you have are from your family, mm-hmm. and that's fine. They're right, good. Right. But if you want to change, you're going to have to get outside of that. Mm. Number two, how do people change? And this is what Nate said, and I think it's 100%. Nate allows himself to be vulnerable in front of those people that he works with, and that gives them permission to do the same. Mm. And the second you feel like you can take off the mask and be vulnerable, and vulnerable doesn't mean weak, vulnerable means real, Mm -hmm. as soon as you can say, you know what, I can be my real self in front of you, I don't have to be this image of who I think I am, I can just be me, now I'm ready to change. And I think that's a mentor, someone who believes in you so A, they'll be vulnerable in front of you, and B, you'll be vulnerable back in front of them, and then the change can begin. Right, yeah, and, and that's one of the things that I use, like how I help people get to find that right journey is because I remember, man, when I was in college and I played football. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to start playing football. I played for the number one basketball school in the country mm-hmm. for, for basketball in high school, and my coach was like, they opened up a football program, you should try it. And everybody in the school was telling me how I can be a big-time football player. And I really wanted to be a big-time basketball player. Right? That was my dream. That's what I really wanted. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I allowed the outside world to actually not manipulate me, but kind of like steer me in that path of like me believing that. Mm-hmm. And when I started to play football, I became a football star. And I became the first Division One football player ever. And I had 25 scholarships, and I was ranked in the country, in the state, and I went to go play on a scholarship in college. Here's the thing. I woke up every day hating my life. There right. you go. Nobody knew that, right? I had to play it off. I was acting out a, a, a character. And when you act out a certain character, you know that character. And when you come across that character again in life, you know what they're going through. So when I get a client in here that is going living a life that they really aren't happy they want to get on that right journey i just go back in time where i was in that state same stage and try to give them perspective on the steps that i've taken and like bob said i believe in i believe that they can do it and i i'm very vulnerable i tell them 
how it is painful, but it's more painful living that life forever rather than starting over at something. Right. So the first thing I would like to do is get connected with their dream mm-hmm. and what makes them really happy. I know a couple of people who, I know this one client of mine who's big time successful at her job and she does not like it. And I said, what do you like to do? And she says, I like art. And I said, okay, then do this. While you're at this job, take an hour of day and draw and just do it for free and offer it to the world through social media, through stores, through everything that you can. And as you continue to do that, you'll break out of not being happy each day and you're one step closer to making your dream come true. Great suggestion. Right. right? And, and getting on that journey. And Bob, to be honest with you, you know me very well. We sat here, and I and I, this is a great question that you asked because this is something I went through. I sat here, and I closed the door one day, and I said, Bob, I got to be honest with you. I love coaching because I didn't want to be a therapist, a counselor, to sit down with somebody all day. I mm-hmm. wanted to talk to a big crowd, and I noticed that I had that when I was in college. I was a football captain. Everybody listened to me. The kids at the basketball court listened to me over the gangsters and gangbangers and people smoking. So I like that power. I like the attention of people listening to me because I wanted to help. And I said, Bob, I want to I wanna be a motivational speaker. That's my dream. And I feel like being here, I'm not achieving my dream. And you sat me down and you said, you are a motivational speaker. And I said, no, Bob, I'm not. I need to speak in front of 40,000 people. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. And you said, the thing that you're missing is that you're changing one life at a time mm. each and every day. Focus on that. Mm. So you're living your dream, but your belief is thinking that the only way you're helping people is if you're talking to 40,000 people, right. not doing it the way you're doing it now. That changed my whole perspective, man. Because yeah. here's why. You are right. And what I did from there is I went outside, and not only did I take each other and client serious and trying to change their life as much as I can, but every conversation I have with family, people in general, and then I made... A YouTube video, given everything I got, even if it was three views, 3,000 views, I know that I did everything I can to help one person. So I focused on one instead of 40,000. And you helped me change my perspective with that with everything. Just do one thing at a time rather than trying to do 40,000 things. Mm -hmm. And I came across a quote. It said, uh, uh, Ralph Emerson said, do the thing and you shall have the power. Right. So I think that I didn't have the power because I didn't have 40,000 people watching me and I wasn't on this big time stage. But at the end of the day, I'm still doing the thing itself, speaking. So thank you for that. And, and, You're welcome. And you are a true definition of being a mentor in my life. And that's just one of the great moments that I had in this office with you. And, and Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say too, that connects back to what you said earlier, Bob, about what we're instilled when we were children right because mm-hmm. when we see motivational speakers what do we see we see these people standing in front of an auditorium thousands of thousands of people everybody clapping yay and so on and so forth they post it on instagram oh that's a motivational speaker right but what you were doing like bob said is also motivate you're also being a motivational speaker in that facet as well it's just in a a different space a different scenario that we're not necessarily exposed to the same way we're exposed to kind of like the quote unquote big time. It's like the idea of, oh, I want to be a baseball player, right? Well, you're playing baseball. Oh, well, uh, only major league baseball players play baseball. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. Right. It's kind of, it's, right. it's that way. And I like uh, the sentiment you said earlier about how it's a two way street. You have to be vulnerable 
um, as a person taking the information and the person giving you the information also has to be vulnerable because uh, people can see through nonsense, right? And people can tell when they're being nonsensed, right? <laughs> Just made up that word. but um, no, I like that word. Yeah, like that word too. <laughs> yeah so, like, so it's, it's, it's so important to be authentic, both parties, if you're going to go anywhere in any type of relationship, I think. I think authentic is a big word. We've used it quite a few times right. today. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree with you guys on all of those statements. I mean, you know, speaking in front of 10,000 people or 500 is, is one archetype of what it is to be a motivational speaker. It's not the only one. Um, and I'll remind Nate again as part of that conversation he referenced. I'll just offer it. So Mother Teresa has a beautiful saying. She says, perhaps I alone cannot change the world, but I can throw a pebble and start to create ripples. Mm. And so when you sit with someone or Nate, you're training them and you say, well, I, I, I touched that one person, but here's what I would encourage you to remember. You don't know when they leave you how many other people they're going to talk to in that day. Mm -hmm. And maybe they were not having a great day or feeling great about themselves and they leave you and I see it all the time. They leave here and they feel way better about who they are as a human being and then they go out and they talk to their little brother or they have an interaction at school that changes somebody else and before you know it you've actually spoken or motivated 500 people today but you just saw the one right wow and, and i think touched that's, them yeah all. That's and deep. i think i think that's exactly what it's so so much easier to see that nowadays because mm -hmm. of social media right you know what i mean right. we're like say you you post a video I send it to my friend. That friend also follows you. You clearly don't know these people. You've clearly never spoken to these people. Great but example. But they're like, I connected with that. You know what I yeah. mean? Mm -hmm. Big time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the other part about like not only social media is that social media also gives you the ability to track everything down at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you will think that, like this is a true story. Like I'll get, for example, on a, I put up the same videos on all platforms of social media. I put a video on Facebook and, you know, sometimes I'll get like 100 views or 53 views. And no lie, everywhere I go, either someone saw one of my videos on Facebook or Instagram. Like all the time. The people on YouTube I do not know, but the people on my, my personal ones. And they will say, Nate, I watched this one video you made. And this video changed me drastically. It changed my whole perspective, my life. Thank you so much. I'm like, what video? And they're like, there's one video that I hated, me personally. That I, when I put it up, I'm like, this video sucks. I can do better. I should have did better when it got 53 views. And I started to judge myself on that video, not knowing how much of an impact I made on somebody's life. You never so, know. So to wrap this little nice little conversation up, basically, um, you helped me with, with like a different perspective. And that's another thing a great mentor does. And you know, what Bob does is when I come in here, he doesn't put a belief on me or push me to believe anything. And I've noticed that. Yeah, oh I've my God. That. Sometimes it gets me, it used to get me mad in the beginning, yeah. right? So I'll come in here and I'll say, Bob, you know what I experienced today? I did this, 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 and this, and this. And he'll sit there with his nice soft voice and he goes, that's interesting, brother. Here's here's what you can do. You can do A, you can do B, you can do C. And I'm like, yeah, Bob, but which one should I do? By the way, Bob is laughing hysterically right now because <laughs> he knows Because <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, and I'm like, Bob, what should I do, right? Like, should I go here and do this? Or should I take this and do this? And he's like, you know, basically letting me choose. And he what he really does is he lets my heart decide. Right. And I think that's so important because 
as humans, we're so naturally uh, used to being told what to do. You know what I mean? By your teacher, by your coach, by your guidance counselor, by your this, by your that. You're so naturally told, Muhammad, do this, this should happen. If you do this, this should happen. Do this study guide, get this grade, right? That when it comes time to think for ourselves, we kind of get stuck. And we yeah. go to the person that we trust the most. Like, hey, like, Bob, what am I supposed to do? Well, you know what you could do. You know, these are the options you have. These are the possible consequences for each option. But at the end of the day, you have that free will, like you mentioned before, to do what you want to do, right? And... um it's just, it's, life is a beautiful thing, and it's even more beautiful when you kind of uh, do things, on, not I want to say on your own, but your free will, you kind of utilize that and actually take that into account. I think it's also so important to go to your mentor, too, to tell them these scenarios, like say, I have this problem, what should I do? Because they open, maybe they give you a possibility that you didn't think was there before, right? And so that opens up doors that you didn't know were once there before. Yeah. And um, so as we're, we're talking about this, this element, I think we should keep this, uh, these questions in with the mind. I want to make sure we close out on much of the mind because I can't wait to get to the spirit part with you. Um, but with the mind, what are your, as a scientist, because that's what we are to a certain degree, we're scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see in the placebo effect? Can you explain what the placebo effect is and what did you have, do you have any experience with that? So uh, can I explain the placebo effect? So here's my understanding of the placebo effect. Uh, We basically use that phrase uh, when we don't really understand the mechanism of change. Mm. So uh, we, we do an experiment where we have people who have stomach pain. We give them six. Six of them take a medicine that we know will stop the pain because it does whatever it does medically. And then we give other six sugar pills, yet all 12 of them get better. Mm. So we think, well, we don't know how to explain that. So we call it a placebo, the mind. Well, I think the placebo effect, for lack of a better phrase, is exactly what we're talking about here. What you believe, because those people believed that that pill was going to help them, it did. Now, I'm not discounting the fact that there may be other cofactors or I'm not going to tell you if you have a real horrible something that you should just take a sugar pill. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying what you believe has a massive effect. And actually, you may be aware there are studies coming out now that the degree that the doctor believes in the patient's ability to get well has a huge outcome on whether or not the patient gets well. That's very yeah. true. And uh, just to bounce back off that... Uh, so much so that when they administer placebo uh, drugs to their patients, uh, it's a double-blind test. They don't even tell the doctors that the patients are getting administered uh, placebo drugs because they don't want the doctors to treat the patient any differently than they would treat right. one who has the, the regular drug. So that's that's a very true sentiment. And that goes right into the importance of being a great mentor and believer in your clients, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think it <clears throat> does tell into what we're talking about. Uh, so all healing and all change is mind, body, and spirit. Isn't that the best example right there? So again, if you, if you think you're just a machine, if you think you're just a victim of all your physical things, just take a second look and think again. Mm-hmm. Just take a second look and think again. And yeah. understand that you do have some autonomy. You do have some ability to create change. And here's the question for all of us. Do you want it? Do you want it? Because yeah. not everyone does. And you know what? If you don't, that's okay. Like yeah. we honor you in that space, right? 
we want to help you change, but if you don't want to move to another space, you don't want to move to a new space. But here's the thing. If you turn back to us to move, we will be there ready to help. Mm. We'll be there. All right. So um, I bring that up because there was one client that we both know of. Um, there was one client that we had that Bob worked with like 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. I started to train here. And I noticed that this all is going to wrap up on like the mind-body part. Is that I noticed that th- this client used to come in and always talk about back pain, ankle pain, knee pain. And I start to see a, a pattern. And the pattern is anytime this client had a long weekend of cleaning and cooking and preparing things for the family, the pain came. Mm. But anytime that that was not the case, the pain was no longer there. Mm. And one thing that I've noticed is every time I kept on noticing that, I came in and Bob would always speak to me about the mind, the power of the mind on the body, and how some people's back pain is really not literally back pain from movement, it's really back pain from a belief or just a mind, emotional standpoint. So what I started to do is I, I started to test this out and right. I while train this client who is in their 50s, they're older than me. It's not like I'm training someone like your age. Right. And as, I, I, as she would get to telling me about the back pain, I would just stop and say, how you feeling today? Mm-hmm. And immediately I'll get, oh, I'm so frustrated, I'm so tired. And I'm like, why? And then they'll tell me, she'll tell me. And then what I'll do from there is I would literally just love her in a way of like saying, it's okay, you know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be tired too. Wow, you did all that. You're such a, you, you're doing so well. Mm-hmm. Like, and you came to the gym today on top of all that. And what I start to see is, and, and here is a deep breath. Right, right. Mm. And immediately, oh my God, the lunges. No longer hurt her back. Yeah. Nothing hurts her yeah. back. So when I started to pick this up, I started to become really proud of myself. And I came here to Bob. I'm like, Bob, look, I did this, this, and this, and this, and this. You know, I told him the steps that I took. And he started to laugh. And he's like, yeah, you see how it connects. Yeah. So the placebo effect of, like I try to use with clients too, is not only showing that strong belief, but also giving an emotional. Because you taught me that the heart actually extends out, what, 10 feet? The field of the heart goes three feet out. Three feet you. out. Three feet out. It so, can be. We can measure it. So when you give your heart or you say something from the heart, the human that's three feet away from you most likely feels that energy. Yeah, and I mean you've had your own incidences of that. I'm sure. All where, the time. And 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 it seems to me in particular, uh, a lot of women in particular for some reason they'll walk into a room and they'll be like, I don't like that person. Yeah. Right. And they had no interaction <laughs> with them at all. At all. But what do you think they felt? Oh, they or felt you've had this maybe you walk into a room and two people in there just had a fight. Oh, you you didn't it. witness oh, it, feel but it. you're yeah, like, oh, you I don't know it. what just happened yeah, in here, but in, something. In, well, what do you think you're feeling? Yeah, you're feeling that energy, mm-hmm. right? They just put that out. I mean, we're all energy. Uh, that's physics. That's mm-hmm. not fantasy. Yeah, right, that's physics. Right. We're all energy. Uh, so all you know, and I think what you're bringing up, Nate, again, is is like we say. We just want to respect the fact that all of these things, mind, body, and spirit, are always part of someone's story. Mm. We just want to respect it, and we want to acknowledge it, and we'll go as deep into each one as they want to go, but we don't want to force them. Yeah. But we want to acknowledge it, and we want to let them know that if they want to go there, we're here yeah. to go there with them. And one thing about you, Bob, like one thing that if I had to, like when I told people about you and they want to know more about you, the first thing I say is, the most positive, loving guy I know. 
Thank you. That's very lovely. Thank you. How do you stay so positive? Um, I think I've just gotten to a point in my life, and so um, I have a deep spiritual relationship, which brings me a lot of peace. Um, I understand uh, that uh, I am a child of God, and that that is my definition of who I am. Mm. Uh, The other things are what I do, Mm. but they're not who I am. So what do I do? I'm a dad. What do I do? I'm an exercise physiologist. What do I do? Uh, I'm a rehab therapist. I'm a baseball player. It's not who I am. Who I am is a child of God. I'm always loved and protected. Always. I'm never alone. Ever. What is there to fear? What is there to be nervous about? What is there to get stressed about? Uh, Because uh, really, half the time, and we've talked about mine, I'm just making it up anyway. Mm. Yeah. I'm just making it up anyway. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you, uh, when you talk about that, that actually that opens the door to the kind of like the next segment of this. And that's the spirit, right? Yes. And when you talk about the mind, the body, the spirit, people typically have a good understanding of what the mind and body has to offer. When it comes to the spirit, that, that's when it gets a little fuzzy for people because they never really delved into that world. So could you explain a little bit what you uh, by what you mean of the spirit and what how you've gotten to the point where you are today. So that's a very long conversation, but I'll, <laughs> I'll do a quick capsule. So when I speak about spirit, I'm not speaking about religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so religion is a particular roadmap to try and get you to spirit, mm-hmm. right? So there's Catholicism and Judaism and Buddhism and Muslim. And they're, they're all just roadmaps, right? So there's lots of different ways for me to get to Florida too, right? I could take 95, <laughs> I could take Route 1, I could take a boat, I could take a plane. They're all different maps mm-hmm. to get me there. Uh, So what I'm talking about with spirit is your connection with something bigger than yourself. Mm. So the first question is, do you even believe in such a thing? Mm. And uh, okay, if you don't, but if you do. And number two, what is that for you? And I mean for you, not the stories you've been told that it is. What is that for you? Because if there's something bigger than you out there and you have a connection to it, what is it? And how do you connect to it? And what does it mean for you? Uh, and we can get deep, 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 deep into that. But I will be honest with you. I have found now in my practice that I would say for 99.9% of people, it starts in the heart or the spirit. Mm-hmm. It goes to the head and it shows up in the body. Wow. Yes. And yes. I'm not wow. saying that there aren't things that I can't explain about the body. They, they all exist. I'm just sharing my own experience. Right. Because I have also seen that when, and Nate just gave an example about really mind and heart for this patient. As soon as she let go of her pushing herself, all of a sudden she lunged better and she moved better. Right. She had an emotional, spiritual change and all of a sudden her physical being shifted. Yeah, and just to touch on that a little bit, um, that's how you and I really connected. When I first came here, I felt an energy in this room and energy when I spoke to you that I never really felt before. And Mm. I came across a human being that did not know me, that believed in me so much. And I meant the world to me because my whole life I was looked at as if I was crazy. When I lived in hotels and I, you know, I was homeless and my mom abused drugs and used to beat me and I used to go to school the next day. I used to always have this vision of living the way I'm living today. And one thing that used to help me understand spirit, I never had to go to church. My dad never pressured me on none of that stuff. But I knew there was 
a spirit. I or I knew the universe, whatever you want to call it. I knew that we were connected to something. And I what helped me stay true to that and believe in that is this. I used to always think about, I always go back to nature, how nature works. Because for some reason, we think that we are not nature. But uh, scientists have found about 90% of our DNA is called junk DNA. But it's not really junk DNA. We have the same DNA as trees, water, grass, animals, right. etc. It's amazing how it works. And we're connected to that. And I used to always have this vision like, as long as you do the right steps in life, follow your heart, be honest, do things out of passion, etc. Treat your others, find, find your, your purpose, purpose yeah. right? What makes your heart beat, right? I always like that. Love that. You do these steps. It's not your job to make it happen. Spirit got your back. And here's mm. what I mean. Think about a farmer. I always thought about this as a kid. Right. A farmer knew the steps on how to plant the crops and everything. Do you think that farmer's over the next day screaming at God if it didn't rain or nothing like that? Literally. As long as that farmer follows the steps, the universe takes over. The sun does its job. The water does its job. The soil does its job. He just has to sit back and be patient. The more crops he wants to grow, right. the more time he has to give the universe. And that's how I always thought to myself. The more I give my heart and more I help people, the more time, the bigger the dream, the more time I have to give the universe to let my, my seeds grow into that. Mm -hmm. Right? So... I used to always go back and connect it with those things, man, and really help um, help me guide me on staying spiritual. Right, and I know Bobby, you mentioned how um, uh, when you speak of spiritual, you don't necessarily mean religion. But uh, me and me and Nate, we've had numerous conversations about. Uh, for me, that's what kind of spiritual spirituality goes for for me, right? And uh, Nate can, Nate sees it in me sometimes where. Uh, and actually, one of my other mentors, my dean of my uh, programs in the Honor, Honors Living Learning Community at Rutgers Newark, he, um, so we do this thing where before our weekly meeting, I have to uh, submit a form to him. And the form uh, has three parts. It actually connects, connects to this very much so. Uh, one part is uh, my intellectual, right? How I'm doing in classes at that point, so on and so forth. Another part is physical. Did I take time to go out to the gym? Did I take time to walk, enjoy the outdoors, so on and so forth for me? And the third part is spiritual, right? Beautiful. And do you, uh, have you been, whether, however you want to go about it, have you been praying? Have you been doing this? Have you been setting time aside to talk to that greater being that you have and so on and so forth? And um, my dean, he actually uh, pointed out, like, whenever I'd have a meeting with him, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm, 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 not, I'm not doing good, this and that. Um, whether my academics would be good, and I went to the gym like, what, like four times that week, it was always, I left the, the, the spiritual box empty. How I was like, interesting. Because I feel what it was, was the fact that like, I feel like we prioritize the other two so much because you Whoa. could touch it. It's tangible, you know what uh. I mean? Like the physical, I could pick up that weight and push, pull, however many times, all right, I went to the gym. I could go to class, study, get my exam score, okay, I did good in that facet, right? For the spiritual, you can't really you can't really see it. So it's like, ah, I should sleep so I could do better on the other two tomorrow. I'm, I'm gonna take that time so I could, for myself, quote unquote, so I could do better on my exam tomorrow, so on and so forth. But we talked about this too, when it becomes a part of your routine and it becomes a part of something where it's not like you're compromising something else when you do it, that's when you see the change and that's when you really could go about it a certain way. And my dean, he was quick to see it where he was like, 
Muhammad, yeah, like yeah, you, you did good. Yeah, you got an A in your exam, but why? Why? Uh, what are you compromising for that? Because that's as important as that, if not more important. So, because that's gonna be with you for the rest of your life. This school is it's it's finite, you know. Beautiful. I love that, and I I heard a phrase once, and I I think it. Applies maybe to what you just said. So, if you ask God how He's going to change the world, His response will be through you. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you you know you are spirit or God's hands. You are God's mm-hmm. feet. You are God's body. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, if you just kind of sit around and wait for it to happen, that could not get you the results that you want. And interestingly, you talked about measuring it, but uh, you can measure it, I think, in the way you just said. Mm-hmm. So your whole story came from all of a sudden I was doing X, Y, and Z. I saw a certain result, and I realized despite that result, something was missing. Right. So that was your measurement, right. wasn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. It just wasn't like you're saying that physical, that tangible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I lifted X pounds, therefore I did Y, success mm-hmm. with myself. Um, and we can have a real deep conversation about spirit sometime if you want. But yeah, that's a great thing is, so, okay, I'm going to do this and that. How do I know that there's been an effect from it? Mm-hmm. What, do I, what do I use for that? If I want to be able to measure it, and some people do, what does that look like? What could I maybe turn my attention to? Right. And there are things that can help with that. Um, but ultimately, again, it's about your connection with something bigger than all of this mm-hmm. yeah. all of this quite honestly and you know one thing um how i and i think each person is going to go through this if they haven't already is that you know like spirit or something greater than you is helping you with something when you're flowing in a way that you mm-hmm. you forget what you even said yes mm-hmm. yes so like there's times where like i'll have a conversation with somebody and i'm in this crazy zone Mm-hmm. And I'm inspiring them, but I, you know, what inspired me, what came into me that I was able to vocalize, you know, right, right, yep. And and that's how you know it gets real, you know. Mm-hmm. And then people will say, yeah, I heard the talk you gave, blah blah blah. I'm like, what did he even talk about? Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of funny because I was telling Bob right before this how we would listen to these like the our previous podcast. We'd be like, yo, you said that? Yeah. I forgot you said that. Yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, like, yeah that, that was yeah things like that because. It goes back to just being so in tune with what you want to do and what your purpose is. And like you said, what makes your heart beat, that really that really drives you. You know, yeah. you know we, we talk about the, the, the small you versus the capital Y you. Yeah. So the small you is the one who's sitting in this chair right now. But the capital Y you is the one who's really speaking. Mm. Yeah. And Bob, Bob brought me to see Deepak Chopra. Yeah, which was amazing. Really, yeah, Deepak, he brought me to great, Deepak. Man. It was a great day, man. And uh, we got a book from him, which was called Mega Human. And as we were sitting there, he touched on some things that Bob and I have been really tapping into. I used to come in here. This is crazy, but this is what goes to my mind. Right. I say to Bob, I said, Bob, don't you sometimes you feel like the universe is just a big video game, as if like we're in the Matrix, mm-hmm. right? And I like. If you see quantum physics, quantum physics is kind of showing. The, the zero point field is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. That's mm-hmm. how people kind of describe God sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And you're always being watched and they, they can measure your heart field. They can measure the, the energy you hold. If you have, you have negative energy, positive energy. Um, the How your thoughts actually 
our energy itself. Right. And that's why I really believe you become what you think about because if you continue to put it out there in the universe, that's how people oh come across so many. law of attraction. Yes. Right? The law of attraction. But while we're sitting there, Bob and I have been going through this really aggressive, great conversation conversations for like that whole month or two. And right. I kept on coming in here. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And one day he says, I, I, we're going to go see Deepak. And I'm like, wow, all right. He <laughs> said, don't do nothing on this day. So we did it. We went to New York City. We wanted to go see him. And Deepak said, I want you to sit down and think about where you are. Hmm. And then I was like, okay, I'm in New York City. And it was really quiet. Everybody was thinking. And then Deepak said, now, who is I? Who is that? And where, is, where are they? Hmm. Boy, that hit me so hard. I'm like, I... Where am I? Yeah. And he was saying, you are experiencing being a human being, mm -hmm. but you are somewhere else connecting to this, uh, uh, the consciousness of this human being. But I, I am here, is the real I is somewhere else. Right. Projecting themselves to be here. Right. I think about that all the time. Yeah. And it <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. I ask myself, why are we on this earth for only a certain you know, amount of years. Just, yeah. And what, what, why are we born with the free will to think and believe and do what we want? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, is earth a playground for the spirit to experience? Definitely possible. Right. You know, there's a wonderful phrase by Christian mystic. I can't remember his name right now, but he says, you know, we get confused because what we think is that we are human beings having a spiritual experience but what we really are is spiritual beings having I mean, a human yeah. experience i like that yeah, yeah like man that. And, <laughs> and that really is and and that was what deepak was saying when you think of i well, well who is i mm -hmm. who yeah. is that i so i like the shell that yeah. we call a body that i move around in right. and what's interesting to me too is this shell yours yours mm -hmm. body whatever you want to call it is designed exactly according to what you are supposed to be doing while you're here. Mm -hmm. If I look like James Earl Jones and had his voice, I love you boys, I would not be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would probably right. be out in Hollywood Absolutely. being Darth Vader for the age. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, it's, you know. Yeah, I think it's like uh, it's two things. It's like interesting that you say that too, right? Because looking at it like from a, a, a broad perspective, say like LeBron James, right? His shell was, his body was to play basketball, but then he knew that in order to kind of connect with people more so, he had to do a bunch of other things beyond basketball, right? right. And that's where the phrase, more than an athlete comes, and so on and so forth. Love that. And um, yeah. something that Nate said too, that uh, was very interesting, and I actually wanna get your perspective on that. I tell people all the time, right, in my life that, uh, yeah, you are what your thoughts are, right? And what I mean by that is, if you constantly think you have bad luck, if you go around saying, I have bad luck, this was bound to happen, this and that, that's, that's essentially what you're going to feel. And one of the reasons I feel like that is because, like we mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, you uh, particularly stress the bad things that happen to you more so than the good things. So if you uh, stub your toe, like, oh, I stubbed my toe today, but then if something good happens after that, you're still thinking about the stubbed toe and you're, you completely put the good thing in the back burner. So what would you say to these people who... who think they have like all the bad luck in the world right but essentially they just a simple tweak in their thought process of the mentality could change that quote-unquote luck that they have 
Right. So I, I guess I could answer that by uh, in a couple ways. <clears throat> One, to offer an actual example of how physically your thoughts can change your body. So uh, many people are familiar with an ulcer. Right. So here's your question. Well, what is an ulcer? Mm -hmm. Here's an ulcer. It's when you get excess buildup of acid in your stomach from worry. Mm -hmm. Now we know that the mind cannot tell the difference between you having the actual thought and the thought itself actually being experienced. Right. That's what an ulcer is. So literally, you're sitting there worrying about something. Maybe on the couch, nothing is happening. happening. Yes, yes. Zero is happening. But you're thinking about it, and you're creating a physiological change. So mm. here's my response to your question. So that can't be your energy, too? Mm. Why not? It's all around us. You're right. Why you're not? Right. I, I don't know what more proof we need and what we already have to kind of go like actually start believing this and not taking it as like you said fantasy you know like it's so it's so interesting to me how all these things are around us and all these things constantly not only are they around us they happen to us sometimes you know what i mean but we're still we don't want to take that step further because we don't want to be uh quote unquote insane or no this isn't impossible different different you know what i learned by that though what's that And, and bob and i spoke about this a couple months ago is that i think that's part of the test of being here, mm-hmm. right? Being it being invisible, it having a bunch of distractions around it, and it being you have to work to get to that place. And when you get to that place, it seemed like it was so simple that somebody can because somebody can just believe in it in the next two seconds, right? But it's different than just it, like believing it by hearing it and experiencing it. I heard this one quote saying that. A man who experiences God does not need scripture. Mm-hmm. But a man that never experienced God needs scripture. Mm-hmm. Right? So I start to see the same thing with Bob and I here at the gym. We start to see, I tell Bob all the time, Bob, why do people go here and waste their time with this, this, and this, and this when this coach just wants their money? Or why do people go through 17 surgeries and then come to you? And then one day him and I sat down. I'm like, Bob, you know what I noticed? When people come to us, it's because they're ready for change. Right. We're that guy. We're the guy they come to when they're finally ready. And they're willing to change because they've been through that whole crazy experience of going to everybody. So it's called being the guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Michael Jordan's trainer said it. He said, Michael Jordan was that guy. When you wanted the ball, you want you wanted points on the on the scoreboard, you wanted to win a game, you gave that man the ball. Mm-hmm. Everybody, every profession has that. You know, each family member, mm-hmm. a family has that family member they go to to solve problems. Mm-hmm. My phone rings when something goes down <laughs> in New Jersey, and I'm in New York, and my and I and they're like, you gotta call the guy. My girlfriend, when she has an issue, she calls the guy. Each of us have that guy. Right. I call that guy, right? right? So and we just want to be clear uh, when. We're speaking of the guy. It could be the girl too. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt we, about it. Of course. Yeah, we just want to be cl- whoever uh, that person. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The 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 person that they can rely on. The exactly. person that is, and when they get to that point, they're ready. That's pretty. And funny I've read that, that yeah. in The Alchemist too. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a book my dean had me uh, read as well. And that's pretty funny that you say that. Not funny, but interesting that, enough that you say that. 
how every family has that member. And I, I, when I'm with my friends, I kind of see it, and you, know, you know what I mean? And I'm very like cautious of who that person is and so on and so forth that they go to. So that's just a, that's a good point. Yeah. So Bob, my question to you is, sometimes, you know, when we're talking about spirit, um, people can get lost into the materialistic world and mm-hmm. get caught up in those things, right? How will one f- reconnect? How do you reconnect to spirit or to the universe? Well, I think you hit on one thing that's kind of important in that uh, having a direct experience is incredibly valuable, mm. uh, whatever that means for you. And that dovetails into a really, really important thing to understand, and that is you have given everything that you see all the significance that it has. So uh, if it's important for you to eat right or you won't be healthy, then that's going to have huge significance for you. If it's important to you to lift weights so you can get strong, that's going to have huge significance for you. So when you want to go reconnect, I think, first of all, you have to say, well, what is significant to me about that? Mm -hmm. If you don't have something significant about that, it's going to be hard. Um, Because once you give something significance, it will become of importance to you. Mm Um, And then uh, the second thing to understand is um, that there is no right way. But here's what you really want to ask yourself and not judgmentally at the end of the day is, well, how's that working out for me? Right. So, hey, you know what? I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Great. How's that working out? Well, listen, I'm stressed out of my mind and I can't (laughs) sleep and I'm going crazy. And I go, how's that working out? Good, good, good. (laughs) All right. So for them, that's good right but we really need to have enough courage to look at ourselves and ask ourselves honestly well how's that working out for Mm. me and again we'll determine what that is for ourselves but that's also a great way to know if you're connected so even have my own moments where i i get disconnected for lack of a better word where i go into fear i go into those spaces where here's what i really say i forget who i am Mm -hmm. and really uh, i think this spiritual journey is the journey from fear to love. Wow. Mm. It's really getting to the point where you let go of all those fears and you and you get into the space of love. Every spiritual teacher who ever whoever has walked the planet, that was their message, wasn't it? Wow. From Jesus to Buddha to Muhammad was they're all basically saying the same thing in different ways, aren't mm-hmm. they? Listen, it's not fear, it's love. It's about love, it's about compassion. Mm. That's the journey. Right. What can you do to get there, and how do you want to get there? And and there are lots of ways. I mean, for some people, a, I think Bill Gates is a great example from what I understand. I mean, that guy made billions and billions and billions, and he gives most of his money away. To his foundation, yeah. To his foundation. For him, that's his way to get to love and compassion. Mm-hmm. Go for it, Bill. Do yeah. your thing. Mm-hmm. Go and for it. It's like it. you said, yeah. you use your shell to reach that Thank point. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Use your shell to reach that point. You you know what I what I see a lot, and I know that you do, um, that I would like, you know, you to speak on a little bit. Is anytime I feel like all crazy, it's because I, I I didn't have any time to spend with myself. Do you spend time with yourself? Yeah, all the time. So I'm lucky enough to have worked to the point in my life where I own my own business, so I can set my own hours. Mm-hmm. However. Uh, I do believe this. Uh, there's a meme that's going around for everybody. I, have no, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. Well, yes, you do have time. You have the same 24 hours in your day that you had when you were 10. Mm-hmm. You have the same 24 hours that you had in your day when you were 20. 
Oh, and, and, but I have no time. I go, yeah, I know you do have time. Here's I know you have time because you get 10 things done in your day. Here's what you get done. What's important to you? Hmm. So if it's important to you to make time to be quiet, if that's necessary for you, again, have you given that significance? If it's important to you to take time to talk to spirit or to breathe or whatever, you will make it. So I think you have to look at yourself and, again, not be judgmental. Everyone wants to judge themselves and go, wow, you know what? I have been running around like a maniac. I haven't really been given my time to be quiet because, for whatever reason, I haven't made that significant to me. Okay, do you want to? Do you want to? Right. I do. Great. Then guess what? You have the time. Mm. Trade some of the other stuff for it. You got it. Mm. The world, as far as we know, hasn't lost hours. But everyone seems to think that it has. Mm. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? We know where they went. Yeah. We're doing some of it. Yeah. <laughs> Social media yeah. and whatever. Yeah. 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 All right, Bob. And last on our last podcast, Muhammad has he asked me this amazing question. Nice. And um, I want to know your thoughts on it. Um, Muhammad asked me on the realm of like, what is the purpose of life? Sometimes he wakes oh, up and he's like, all right, what is the purpose of this? You know, why am I doing this every day? Mm -hmm. You know, what is the purpose of life? So I want to know in your words, like just in your, from your perspective, like what do you think the purpose of life is? Well, I think to do that, I, I think I would, I would offer something else to that question mm -hmm. as well. Uh, so when you say what is the purpose of life, I would add this as well. What fills you with life? Right. Wow. Okay, right. so when you say what is the purpose, what fills you with life? Because I think maybe that's what you're really asking. Yeah. Uh, so for me, and I think it's, it's service to others. If I'm ever sad, if I'm ever down on myself, it is amazing how quickly that shifts when I go help someone else. Mm. You watch the news and there's all these stories about this and that and really tough stuff. And all of a sudden a story comes out about how somebody helped some other soul out. And how do you feel? Right. You feel amazing. You feel amazing. That's so what, what is the purpose of life? Yeah, yeah. Right. To mm -hmm. serve. I, I think we're all here for each other, aren't we? Yeah. To serve and love others. That's the purpose. Mm. How are you going to do it? I don't know. And for some people, they might have to spend their whole life just figuring out how they're going to serve and love themselves before they can even get to somebody Ooh. else. That's big. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Because that's what they need to do. But that would be my answer to that. That's and, a great answer. Nah, that's mm -hmm. big. That's, that's big. a great answer. And early in the podcast, you said that you you feel safe. You yep. What is to be worried about? How do you feel safe at all times? And what makes you feel safe? Uh, so when I say I feel safe, um, I feel totally loved and protected all the time. Mm. So I do have a deep spiritual connection. Uh, and you can call it God, you can call it the field, you can call it whatever you want, the big guy in the sky, I don't care what you call it. Um, but when I know that I am a child of God, there is nothing to fear. Because even if something, quote unquote, happens to me, I'm fine. Right. And because that, I yeah. know I'm going to be... What? I'm, I'm, I'm loved and protected. I'm going on to wherever I'm going. Yes. Forever. And again, that dovetail into, well, I have given significance to that. So how's that working out for me? Great. Right. And, and, <laughs> that is working out great. And that, and that, yeah. And that's so important to, uh, to me just hearing that because uh, like so many people like ask me about the spiritual aspect of things, right? Mm -hmm. And they say, 
well, and I talked to Nate about this too. Well, if say there is no like God or so on and so forth, okay, would you feel like you've wasted your life? I'd say no, because I lived a good life. You know, I okay. I've done what like you said, gave back to people, serving others, so on and so forth, and I'm at peace with that. So if, whenever whenever my time comes, I would go wherever. Well, I'm destined to go knowing that in this life I'm at peace with what I have done while I was here so that I think I, I really resonated with that one it's beautifully mm-hmm. said actually and I, I, I agree totally and I think many of us if not all of us I don't want to speak for everybody mm-hmm. we know it feels good we know it's right I don't really need someone to tell me they right. can tell me yeah. Yeah. but I know when I've done something good yeah. and I know when I haven't mm-hmm. uh, it's and what is that inner knowing well well Let's call that God. Let's yeah. call it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's where does that come from? Yeah. It comes from somewhere, mm-hmm. right? It does. You just know. Yeah, that's you know. True. And Bob, and me being um, a college student and being around just kids from like anywhere from seventeen to twenty three, twenty four years old, I noticed this journey that each of us go through, and I started to notice this in myself first, but then I looked around and I noticed it was. Everybody is universal. And this journey is like this strong call to action mm. on choosing something. Basically, it's, I don't know if it's a test. I don't know what it is. But Joseph Campbell calls it the call to action. Um, what was your call to action from anywhere from, eight, if you can think back from 17 to 23, 24 years old? <clears throat> so that's interesting because, uh, so my call to action was always to help others. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, at that time, it ended up manifesting, like I said, in psychiatry, um, which was really, so if you're struggling, if you're upset, how can I help you? And I'm going to manifest it this way. And it's now changed to what I did. So even when I was young, um, I I just felt a call to to help others in some way. I don't know how to describe it other than it was just there so it was always as long as you can remember kind of pretty much as long as i can remember Mm -hmm. uh it was just there how how can i help someone and listen who knows how much of that is i was also the oldest in my family Mm. so i was always looking around after the other ones and what are they doing and are they safe and what can i do to help them and so there's that part of my life that i grew up to but i could have easily rejected that right Mm. and i didn't nice and what would, you, what would you say to someone who's anywhere from 18 to 35, for an example, that either the 18 to 25-year-old is being called to action or the one from 25 to 35 rejected it and they're being called once again? What is your best advice towards them? Because there's a lot of confusion, right? People get a little lost on their journey on not knowing what to do and feeling lost and feeling really stressed out. What would your advice be? So... Uh... That's a royal boy, if I had the answer to that one. Um, <laughs> so I think, again, um, some of the struggle from that comes because we're judging ourselves on where we are. Mm. So we've been told we should be X or Y by now in our life, and right. why aren't you, right? If you don't have a college degree, you're not going to be successful. Right. Or if you don't have this. Um, and I think that's what causes a lot of stress. So one thing I would offer is um, you're, wherever you are in your journey, you're right on time. Mm. How do we know? Because that's where you are. Uh, number two, there is a beautiful saying by the poet Haviz, and here's what he says. 
This place where you are right now, God circled on a map for you. The beloved has bowed here knowing that you were coming. Wow. So you're right on time. Hmm. Right? You're, how do we know you're right on time? Because it's decisions that you've made up to this point. Right. I'm pretty sure you didn't wake up one day and go, you know, I'm going to make every shitty decision possible for me in my life and <laughs> yeah. really ruin everything. Right. You made the best decision you could at the time. And a lot of people are going to tell you what you should be, but that's their version of you. What's your version of you? Mm. What's yours? Because really, ultimately, yours is the most important one. And it's good to, if you want to listen to other people and hear their input, that's fantastic. But ultimately, it's about you and your journey. And, and some people won't understand your journey, and it's okay. They don't have to because it's not for them. Mm. That's I'm awesome. Just, yeah, I'm just thinking about that. Yeah, <laughs> I was just, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. All right, Bob. So I'm going to leave. Do you have any questions left? I have, a, I have one more question that I want to leave. I actually have one more question. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, this yeah, is fun. Yeah, this we can be... talk all night. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I forgot we was even doing a podcast. No, I'm not even yeah, going to lie to you. I, I, we've literally... It's actually gotten dark out. So dark outside. Yeah, I was just about to say, uh, we started this. It was... Sun, like the sun wasn't even starting to set and now it's the it's stars kind of, are in the sky yeah. it's quite beautiful actually. um bob one thing i want to ask you about and uh, nate kind of touched about it before uh the feeling of instant gratification with lots of people and um i don't want to say my generation but just everybody that i, I typically come across whether it be uh i don't know if it's because we're in an urban area in the city so on and so forth but instant gratification uh seems to be a thing that's so dominant that what I what I've uh, grown to learn was the journey is essentially the gratification that you get, mm. right? And when you get that instant gratification, you're stripping yourself of the essentially the gratification in the long run. So, what what are your sentiments about instant gratification and uh, how people could kind of, you know, uh, find a way to step out of it? Yeah, so that's good. So help me understand a little better about what you're talking about, instant gratification. Like I want something to happen and not have to put the work in. Exactly. I want so, something to happen. Yeah. yeah so what, what does that mean? Exactly. So what me and Nate, uh, the example that we talk about is say, um, I'm not going to mention the brand name, but say if you drink this product, you'll lose 50 pounds in oh, three see. weeks. Whether instead of somebody saying, well, if I actually put in the work, put in the diet, put in uh, the, the gym hours, so on and so forth. For four months, and I'll start seeing a fraction of that, I'll be more satisfied with that than drinking whatever that they're offering me and losing the 50 pounds. So what would, uh, like, th that? that's essentially what I mean by that instant gratification. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think there's a quick answer for that one. Right. My <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, again, number one is what's driving that. Mm. Um, so human beings are driven, right? There's always, you're always being driven by something, even if you're not aware. So if you're driven by instant gratification for something, uh, why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's driving that? Uh, number two, uh, there are cultural memes that kind of pop up that are really interesting to me, and that's one of them. Uh, I'll tell you another one that I think is really interesting. I have the attention span of a goldfish, people say. <laughs> so that's fascinating to me. First of all, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. And second of all, why would you want to connect to that? Right, <laughs> right. There's no value in that that I can yeah. see. So uh, you talk about instant gratification. I think, what are you really talking about? Uh, I want an instant reaction mm -hmm. from something. I want a reaction. Well, okay, there's lots of things that you can get reactions from that can be quick or that can be slow. 
Um, and you have to decide again what in that you want. Mm-hmm. So uh, I need instant gratification. I'm not going to. And really, I think what you're also talking about is I want something to happen right away, but I don't want to have to take the steps to get there. Right. So that's happened because you, you being anyone, and I don't mean you in particular, you in the norm, have decided that the steps have no value. Mm. Why not? Why not? Right? So I'm going to drive home today, and there's going to be a lot of beautiful things out my window. Mm. I could blow them all off and just get in my driveway, or I could take a moment to look out the window and watch the waterfalls I drive home. Mm. When did that not all of a sudden become significant for me, and how come? That's, that's powerful. Yeah, very powerful. So every wow. step on the journey is of value to you, and, and I think maybe this would help. Each step is a gratification in its own right. Right. So I think you have to just not look at the end goal, but each step is the gratification that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. They just, at the end, become a sum. Mm. Yeah, and we spoke about this a little bit on the last podcast um, on grabbing the wheel, that Mm -hmm. each step is getting you ready for it. When you master that one step, you can utilize that at any given point. There you go. Right. And on other steps that mm-hmm. you need. Mm-hmm. Of right? course. And it's like a puzzle. Um, my question to you on, on something similar as that is that you have a son that's 20. Mm-hmm. What is different from what you're realizing or you're witnessing from Michael, who is your son, that's 20 versus when you were 20? Is it different? Is it pressure, more pressure on kids these days with social media? Um, what is different? How is it different? The thought process is anything uh, so yes, I'm going to say I think it's incredibly different to grow up today than when I was younger. So I'm 54. And so I was probably the last generation that grew up without computers, mm. without cell phones, without social media, without any of it. I mean, we had black and white TVs and we had 247, 9, 11, and 13. That's all the channels we had. Mm-hmm. We didn't have 200 billion satellite things to do whatever. So it's very, very, very different to grow up today, I believe. What is some of that? I I do think social media is a challenge. Um, Why? Uh, Because it can do a little bit, I think, what you were saying, Mohammed, where it it can give a false sense of instant gratification Mm -hmm. because really information is instant. Right. But not the journey to get the information. Mm. Right? Someone still had to go through it. Number two... Uh, it's very hard to step away from the noise because the noise is always there. In your pocket, yeah. Mm-hmm. In your pocket. And the expectation it creates. So I can remember sitting with my son and I had my phone over on a table somewhere and a text came in. He goes, Dad, your phone texted. I go, yeah. He goes, well, aren't you going to answer it? <laughs> I said, no, I'll get to it. Like I'm sitting here talking with you right now. So it's created almost, it seems to me, an instant expectation of, but if I don't answer that person right away, something's going to happen. Right. And Why? What's going to happen? Right. They're, are they not going to love you? Yeah, right. Well, if they're not, then I don't know that you want that person. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And you know, uh, what's very, uh, just brings back a memory. Uh, I was watching this Chris Rock special mm-hmm. and he said... Uh, He's he, hysterical. By yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he was married for, I think it was uh, 16 years. And his parents were married for uh, 35 years, right? He said his 16 years were longer than his parents' 35 years because of that social media age, that, or in that, that internet age that he grew up in. He was saying, uh, 
he was always in his wife's pocket, and his wife was always in, uh, and uh, his wife was always in the, the vice versa. So, whereas if you look at his parents, they only spoke to each other when they were face to face. You know, when they were uh, had accessibility to a house phone and so on and so forth. So just kind of to bring into notion like that. Oh, I need to respond to this person right away because if I go two hours without responding to them, they might think something's wrong with me. You know what I mean? Right. And that's something that it's not. That's not a silly thought to have because sometimes when. Like say Nate, when you text me, I'm like I gotta get to Nate right away. You know what I mean? I don't want him to think I'm like blowing him off or anything like that. So like that that that's very much so an ideology that people have. Yeah, right, which is just a created. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you didn't you didn't go. I'm gonna blow him off. Yeah, you were busy. Yeah, <laughs> you had something going on. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting, and and I think it's quite challenging actually because um, it is part of the culture now. But in anything like that, you choose your level of engagement. Right. And it, sometimes you, it can take courage, I'll use that word, to, to step out of it. Yeah. Uh, you have to have a strong sense of self to go, I appreciate that the rest of the world thinks I need to pick up my cell phone right now, but I don't. Yeah. And I have a, generally, I think I'm very lucky because I know what it was like before that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We all made it. Yeah. We all lived fine lives. Right. Yeah. What, yeah. what I experienced is last year, Rhea and I deleted Instagram for about eight months. Oh, that's interesting. And the test was, it got to a point where her and I would be watching movies together or whatever, and we're just on our phones the whole time. Yeah, sure. And um, I really lost connection with the person I love, you know? And I brought this up, and I started to notice those times I'll go home, and I noticed that she was really sad on random days. I'm like, mm. what is it? And then she would say nothing, and then like two hours later, she's like, I think we don't do enough of this, or I think we don't do enough of that. And I'm like, where are you getting this from? And every time you turn around, you you know, she sees either an actor booking a movie, an actor booking a show, or a couple on vacation. And it's showing her everything that she's not doing that puts the pressure to her as if she should be doing it right now. All right. So what I said to her is I said, we got to delete Instagram. And until the point that we can get control of what we're doing in real life and the expectations that we should have in real life. And then when we master those, we can use Instagram as a tool, but not as entertainment. Because when you're growing up as a kid and you you go you turn the TV on, you see LeBron James on the TV screen or you see Britney Spears back in the day. And you inspired to want to be like that. You thought that being pretty was being Britney Spears. Being talented was being LeBron James. You put your expectation on that level. Whereas you go on social media, you see it with so many people and people that you actually know. Mm. And you create a natural envy towards them. Right? It's like, why they have that? I I know her. I grew up with her. She doesn't even deserve that. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this Mm -hmm. and that. So we deleted Instagram for about eight months. And after deleting Instagram for eight months, we noticed a huge change. And I came across a bunch of studies showing that how social media is causing mental health problems. But I, but the people that argue against it or the people that are defending the Instagram most likely sure. getting paid to defend the study is saying that it's a choice. And I totally agree with that. But there's definitely take your kid and and uh, take them out of their a sport event that all their best friends are playing. They're missing out. So if you are hanging out with your family at dinner or you're hanging out, you know, with with someone who you love, 
and all the people that you associate yourself with and your friends with are doing something, you kind of want to see since you're not there because you, if not, you feel like you're missing out. FOMO, right? FOMO. And, FOMO. and, and social media can actually make you feel like you're in that whole moment. That's the mm-hmm. crazy part about it. It makes you feel like you're there. And it got to a point where I'll go places and the first thing I would do is pull my phone out to record it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, this got to stop, man. This got to stop. So we experienced experience taking it off uh, our phone for eight months and we had a natural habit of going to the app when we were bored. So what we did is we replaced it with I, um, iBooks or uh, some type of like Kindle mantra or, yeah. or mm-hmm. yeah, some type of application for meditation oh, I or something like, like that. that. I like that. And we placed it in the same spot that the Instagram app was at. We'll go on that instead and we educated ourselves. That's big. We spent time and we noticed all the free time that we spent on the phone on social media when we invested that same time into something that we loved and, and we start to educate ourselves, we saw a huge improvement to the point that it actually changed Ree's life, mm, right? Awesome. To the point where she's not here with us right now. She's in Los Angeles filming a TV show, right? So I think that it, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I talk to Muhammad and kids that come in here, it's very, very, very different. And I'll leave it on this note. I'll bring this example up. When I was a kid, my dad and my grandfather especially used to tell me, turn off that rap music. I can't understand what they're saying. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, Grandpa, this is Jay-Z, man. Jay-Z spitting lyrics. Right. What are you talking about? He goes, it sounds like a bunch of mumble to me. I catch myself saying that to the kids yeah. in their generation yeah. to this day. I'm like, what? Who is this? When did you become your uncle? What is that? <laughs> Little baby X T Rex, short arm hair. That's his name. Yeah. What's his name? Pooty Poo. What? Right. And I'm like, yo, this can't be serious. And then I notice the 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 how bad music is now, and how I'm gonna be honest with you. And this is the first time I'm ever saying this, like publicly. The first time I smoked weed is when I was 16 and there's one reason why I wanted to do it because Lil Wayne talked about it in every song right he talked about it he did it in every music video and I was like yo that sounds so cool and I wanna smoke weed because of Lil Wayne and I tried marijuana out for the first time because of Lil Wayne I got my hair braided because Carmelo Anthony had his hair braided in NBA <laughs> right I got I did so many things because I saw what I saw on TV there's so many things going on, on social media and kids are suffering big Bad, big, yeah. big time because yeah. of what they're seeing. You ever go in high school and you really like that one girl and like see that one girl every day and you're like, yo, I love this girl, I love this girl, right? And like, oh my God, I love this girl. And you did it for two years and you got a crush on her. And then that one day you walk in to school and you see that one girl kiss another boy and it breaks your heart. <laughs> it breaks your heart. Listen, let me tell you something. It breaks your heart, especially if it's with a guy that you know who doesn't deserve her, right? <laughs> Hold on, listen to this. But, Nate, we, but Nate, we don't judge. Yeah, Nate's over here nudging me like I'm gonna <laughs> Yo, yo, right? So so this is a true story. And you and you're like, and it crushes your heart, man. It bothers you for the rest of the day. Social media is doing that to our 16, 17-year-olds mm. right now. They see little Stacy that they love hanging out with the boy that doesn't deserve them. And it breaks their heart. So, what are the chances of you running in to that situation and seeing Stacy kiss Ben? It's not. It's not. It's not a high chance. What are the chances of you seeing it on social media? 
you Ooh. yeah, and then you look for Stacy. You want to see her thing. Oh my god! Right so you're really in. You're really in the person's life. That's why the TV show you became a huge hit, because you can literally. I can do all the research on you right now. I can find out where you live on Google. Did you know yeah. that? Yeah. Right. So you the the connection to it, and the power of it, can actually backfire on a lot of young adults these days. Right. Here's what I think it is. You made me think about this and remind me of something I once heard. And this can be a danger, I guess, in social media is the reason that it can be so powerful and sometimes so damaging is because we compare our everyday experience with everyone else's highlight reel. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So what you see on social media is their highlight reel. Yeah. And you think that should be what your life is. Yeah. You the forget the yeah. fact that that literally they have an everyday experience, too. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever. So it would be helpful, I think, to remember, like, that's just their highlight reel. And it's awesome. And you can engage in that if you want. But they have an everyday experience, too, just like you. Yeah. And one thing that helped me, too, when we came back on the social media is that we unfollowed everybody in any page that didn't inspire us. Mm. If we even caught ourselves comparing, we're like, look, it's nothing personal to this person, but I can't follow you. Right? And when my brothers and my friends sometimes send me like really bad things on the internet, I won't even open it up sure. because I don't want that. Right. Because what I noticed too is that you can be affected by like the death of somebody, mm-hmm. right? There was a rapper that passed away earlier mm-hmm. this week. I do not know this rapper. I actually heard him the first time last week during our podcast when Joel was here. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he brought him up. He, yeah. And I don't know, I do not know this person. And but we were actually talking to Nate about him. He's the upcoming artist from New York. Yeah. And, and he, he went to Hollywood Hills. Yeah, yeah. He went to Hollywood Hills and he he got killed. They set him up to kill him, right? Yeah. Uh, they say it was a robbery first. Now they're saying it was actually a setup. Mm-hmm. And when I heard about the news, I had a kid come in. He told me as soon as he came in. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I said, I bet any amount of money on his Instagram story, he posted that he was in his house, what he was doing, etc. The reports came back and it said that the reason why these people were able to track him down is because he was showing off these new bags that he got and his address was on the bag. And um, actually, his, his friend that he was with was like recording himself like money outside his, uh, it was like, a, it wasn't even the house that he owned. It was just, he was there for that time being and the address you could just make out the first number, uh, two, and then zero three three, and then literally if you search up two zero three three Hollywood Hills, it's like you go on Zillow or Zello whatever it's called, and you go you can see the outline of the whole house like oh this room is here this room this room has a view of this this blah blah, blah this and that this and that and then like you said initially the reports came out about uh, there was armed robbery and then they found out that it was no armed robbery you know and it was mm-hmm. it was kind of like like you said it's very interesting not very like it's very what i'm a, hearing from you guys is i mean listen it's a tool yeah it's 100%, a tool 100 this is a tool too this podcast right is a tool. you're yeah. gonna decide yeah. how you want to exactly. use that tool yeah. right and my, and my goal with the tool is to push if you go on my social media page my goal is to push positivity there you go. And how to heal yourself and how to find yourself and become whole again, you know? Beautiful. All right, Bob, last question I want to ask you today um, is if you were leaving in the universe tomorrow to go into another beautiful universe. Which I will be someday. Yeah. What would you, what would be your last words? What would you leave humanity with? 
You had to leave with one thing. Love yourself. Because if you love yourself, you'll be able to love others. Mm-hmm. So here's my advice. Just love yourself. And how would you love yourself, though? What's loving yourself? Looking oh, that's yourself. a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, we, we kind of got into it just a little bit uh, throughout this podcast. But like you said, Bob, I know Nate had one last question. We want you back eventually. Yeah, Thank you're you. going to come back. Appreciate 100% it. Happy. Love to. I mean, this was fantastic. I really appreciate it. Do you it. have any questions for me or Muhammad? You know, uh, I really don't, other than to say I'm very grateful. Thank you very much to sit with you two souls. All Lovely right. shells, but it's <laughs> not the shell, right? It was wonderful to be with you two souls in this space. Uh, it's just fantastic. I, I really love what you're doing. Uh, I think there's a need for it. Mm. Uh, and I think it's going to help a lot of people to really just start to love themselves, believe yeah, in themselves awesome. and love themselves. And like I said, that's that's what we're all here for. So. If you're ever wondering if what you're doing is making a difference, it is. Thank you. Appreciate that. You're welcome. And uh, Bob, where can people find your work? So uh, I have websites. I have my own Instagram. Uh, It's Bob Finelli, and my website is uh, BBD. That's Body by Design, BBDINFO.com. Uh, and so I'm around on the internet and as how well. And how do you spell your name on Instagram so people could... Uh, uh, Bob, B-O-B, Finelli. F-A-N-E-L-L-I. Awesome. And you just started to... start. Uh, the whole Instagram thing's a little new for me, but I'm figuring <laughs> it out. Baby steps. And you're having beautiful posts, guys. If you want Thank more you. of Thank Bob's you. work, you can see his Instagram page. He's writing beautiful essays on there um, about everything, mind, body, and spirit. And also, if you go to his new website, which is beautiful... You can also find more of his work there. And can you tell him the address? Just in case someone, if you're dealing with any type of nagging injury and you went to some physical therapy or you've just been going through it and you want a different assessment or just a different opinion, where can they find you, Bob? So uh, I'm lucky enough to share space with Nate, actually, in this training facility. It's called One-to-One Bodyscapes, and I am Body by Design. I'm part of One-to-One Bodyscapes, and uh, my the address here is 516 West Boston Post Road in Mamaroneck, New York, and the zip is 10543. And yeah, there's no better way actually to experience who and what we are than to actually come here and be around and, us. Yeah, and all of this information also, we're going to be sure to put in the show notes so you guys can uh, read cool. through it and sift through it and uh, really connect with what Bob's saying. Thank yeah. you. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, everything about the, not everything, but just connecting you to mind, body, and spirit and seeing that these things do come together and connect. Um, you can't separate these things. And I think in 2020, we're getting... A lot, we're a lot closer in 2020 than we were in 2010 mm. about noticing the effects of the biomechanics of the body being one and the you know digestive system too with the spirit and the, how the mind plays effect on the gut. It all comes together. Everything is one, right? So one. hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions, you can email me at nateortizfitness at gmail.com if you have any preference of a podcast you'd like to listen to. And also... You can also leave some questions on there for Bob because Bob will be back for a future podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. So I hope you guys had a great day. Finish off the week strong. And, uh, well, you'll listen to us next time. Yes, sir. Be at peace, everyone. Peace.